thanks for coming to the podcast. Uh, Has it started? Pack Improv Podcast. Yeah. Oh uh, well, it's, it started now. Okay. And <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, my guest this week is, of course, Rossica Mather. Rossica Mather. However, people want to pronounce it. I was, I was, I was, I was glad to have you say it because I was like, I Mather or Mother? <laughs> I was going to say Mather. Who cares because... about the last name? Oh, I'm sorry, Papa. I do. I do. <laughs> I love my last name. <laughs> now, I first met you probably about, what, I'm guessing eight years ago, maybe? Yeah, but I didn't take your class until six years ago, I'm guessing. All right. It was a year where I was kind of done with all the schools. I like to say that you study with Miles when you're a fuck you to everything else. Because he kind of, he takes the, yeah, he takes you improvisers on the fringes. You know, you're either ready to say no more to acting or no more to your life. And then he's just like, come my children, there's still a way. And it doesn't have to be that, I don't know, you just... That's kind of how I felt when I we love that. I, 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 I would love to make that our, our new slogan somehow. <laughs> Study here and say, fuck you to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I see, and I didn't know if, uh, if you'd be okay with that description. Ah, I love that description. That's a, that's a positive thing for me. If it was, you know, study here because fuck this place. That That's not so good. <laughs> so what have you been, I mean, because... You studied here. Uh, what have you been doing? I have been, I think I've been really trying to see, am I an actor? Am I, am I a writer? Am I a, a writer who's getting older, so I really better be writing more? <laughs> because, you know, your face matters in L.A. and shit. But who cares? Betty White's I still working. I, I wouldn't know about the face thing. Well, I mean, what what have you learned about the face and the look? Mine doesn't the... apparently fit anywhere. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> really? Oh, that's that's been my experience. Like, I like I'm, for commercially is like the okay. only thing I, I got. I, I've been called back. I, I have a streak of like I think fifteen avails to no booking. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, he was really good at the audition. I don't know. I just don't. His face doesn't belong Are you anywhere. Are people really? No, they don't say that. But I'm, there's something for it. It's just just bad luck, bad timing, I guess. They have workshops about that to help you learn. It's not you. It's I, the 14 other things the casting director's thinking about. I took one of those, <laughs> and, and it was very insightful. I learned that I'm a really nice guy from the workshop, which that's kind of funny to me. Do you bring that into the room then? Apparently, I do. According to the, to, to the, the, that particular workshop, and I'm just like, really? Because normally, I think people think I'm kind of a, a an angry a dick. Yeah. Yes. How are they uh, seeing this nice side? Apparently, I walk into a room and I'm just I'm just all sunshine and flowers. Well, maybe that's why you're not booking. Well, what? You're not maybe, being yourself. I, I said this on I think I think I was talking with uh, Derek Mears on a podcast about this. Whereas, like, if if I walk into a room. And apparently my natural thing is to come across as a nice guy. And my thinking is that I'm an angry guy, so I'm trying hard to come across nicer. Then I must be walking in just like saccharine, sweet, awful. Like the guy who walks into the room is like, all right, no one swear because this guy just walked into the room. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, I, don't, I don't really give a shit about that aspect of it, other than the fact that I would love to make some money. Yeah, that's a big aspect. 
Yes, it is a big aspect. <laughs> but I've learned, I, I've told the podcasting is the, the, the way to millions. <laughs> millions How of dollars. How much are we getting on this little run here? This is just starting. This is the first podcast, which I'm in the hole on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need but, to set it up with your advertisers, etc. Yes, I set up with all my advertisers. <laughs> all of them. All of them. All one of them. Uh, <laughs> but you've had some success out there, huh? I think I think so. If we have to look at it as the few successes that will come, they come here and there and here and there, right? There's that group of us. I'm a here and there kind of person. And, and like when you IMDB yourself, you kind of see, hey, yeah, fuck, I worked every year. There's like one project listed every year. They get more sparse. But you, I've learned that I do have to really look at those successes because there might have been a, a six months of a mind shift that went into booking, like Crazy Stupid Love, getting a movie, you know, which came out of, you know, b- uh, reading for the best friend. But that went to a name. I mean, even Parminder Nagra was auditioning in that room. And, you know, she had Bend It Like Beckham, so everyone wanted to book her. Right. But then the way I got my small, tiny role is they didn't need to read me again. They just, re- they thought, well, she's obviously got it. So put that two-liner on her. And then that two-liner just pays every year with a couple of residuals. And then you can file for unemployment off of that. And then don't forget about the taxes. So most of these things that you need to get paid for by booking, they can, I've done the math, they'll pay you f- six times over. This is the first time you get paid. You're also getting an IMDb credit. That's money. You're also getting whatever comes out of people knowing you did that gig. Then you get the residuals, which also go on for life. And then there's uh, filing for unemployment, which you do after any gig stops or money stops. And then Wait a the minute. taxes. You're getting Actors half back. can like, act in a movie, and when the movie's done, they can file for unemployment? Yes. Are I- you... Fucking kidding me? Think of the savings and the money, the 14 years that you didn't. Listen, not everyone knows this. My successful, like lots of bookings every year, cousin, brother-in-law, he told me about this. And I have a dad who thinks, don't ever go on unemployment. Yeah, it's it's shameful. I'm with him. What the fuck? Well, because you don't want to be associated with that word. But he told me anytime a gig ends, you file for it. Just like anyone with a nine to five. If your job ends. But what if you you, you do a gig, but you also have a job? You can't file for it then, right? What kind of job? Like you teach improv at a theater you run. Is the money under the table? No, I, I, it's I, all legit. Yeah, it's all legit. So you are basically you would just see what you would get from any jobs that were W two. There's 1099 jobs and there's mm. W two jobs, and uh, the way I've done it is there's self-employed income. <clears throat> I don't know if you're teaching. Kind of goes under that category. That won't count. It's self well, it's self-employed, but this is also now an LLC, so it's a it's a it's incorporated somewhat. Well, if it's not W two, and residuals are right from from gigs, then depending on how much you made in a the highest quarter of the last eighteen months, well, okay, the last twelve months, that becomes your wage base. 
from which they'll determine, oh, okay, yeah, you get four fifty a week, or okay, it's so not that I much, like so you're one, eligible for two hundred a if week. If I had like one good three month stretch, I could then say that's what I fucking make all the time, and you got to base my unemployment on that for a year, or for until year. those residuals. I mean, uh, until the unemployment amount runs out. Okay. I'm not. I'm not doing this. Whatever <laughs> it is, whatever your last twelve months is, Miles, you should go back and look. At I'd probably owe money if, it, <laughs> if I did that. It makes it a little bit. Little, little owe money. secrets to try to stay employed. No, I'm sure that'll be here. useful to some people. <laughs> I, I you know, I, I never heard that. Well, at the same time, I was, I was paying for my AOL account up until just a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and someone just said you, you don't have to pay for your AOL account. It was a few years ago. To, to be honest, I, I think someone told me maybe six, eight years ago. Whatever, whatever. For way too long, I was sending out what, whatever it was, ten, fifteen bucks a month to, to AOL to get the, the, the AOL screen to pop up. And, all right, this is the internet, and I'm an idiot. Uh, and I, and you know there are still people paying for that. They've yeah. got to be, because it's just like I was. It's like, oh, you got to pay for your internet. That's that's what you do. <laughs> Nothing's free in life. Uh, See, now you're making me think of 2001. You're saying that's when you came out here. Uh-huh. And Still that's when I, I had AOL Messenger at that time. It broke me into the internet. And I would print out the conversations I'd have with my crushes. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> just analyze. Like, oh, yeah, he likes me there. We're flirting there. But 2001 is when 9-11 happened, and, and yep. uh, I remember still being in Chicago, and we were all worried after we'd heard about what happened in New York that, oh, no, they're going to get the, the Hancock Tower next. I mean, where were you? Oh, yeah, I was, I was actually, I was here. I was in Hollywood. And I, I remember what was effed up about that was <clears throat> apparently my wife's mother had called her, right, because we hadn't heard about it we were basically waking up uh and i was i was asleep and my 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 wife's mom calls talks to my wife and basically she's a you know frantic woman and my wife wakes me up going we're under attack (laughs) i mean that's when you're woke when you're woke up and someone's screaming we're under attack you know you i'm looking at the door i'm just like who where who is attacking us uh but then you know it's no, it's, it's this. I'm like, don't scream! You're under attack and wake someone up. Uh, <laughs> that was your first part. The hell no! I was just like, I'm I'm under attack. <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on? But then you wake up and you. I remember I, I woke up in time to see. Uh, it almost sounds like I woke up in time to catch the good part. Uh, I, I I woke up shortly before the second plane hit. I remember yeah. seeing that hit live. Just so it was just surreal. Well, way to bring us into 9-11, Rossica. You Suck like how I did that? Yeah, you bring us yeah. Those are the transition points. But more so that that was my last few months in Chicago. And then I came out here. Were you in Chicago? I was I only, Chicago. I only did a few years there. I studied. I started studying improv at Second City because I wanted to be a stand-up, but I wanted to know how to deal with hecklers. So someone told me you should, you know, get some improv under your belt. Figure out what to do in case that happens. <laughs> and just started studying with Second City, my favorite school to this day. I'm, I'm sorry. What did you? Just I say? never <laughs> said fuck you to Second City. Oh. <laughs> I cannot say the same. Thing. 
<laughs> this way happens. <laughs> uh, did you study anywhere else in Chicago? The Annoyance CIO? Um, well, I kind of studied with Joe, or I performed with him, and he directed me separately. I didn't get to take classes with him. I got a pilot with Bob Odenkirk out here, and that brought me out here before I finished level five at Second City. So I still feel like, you know, a Second City, like I need to go back and get my GED. You got to get that t-shirt, man. I need to get my... They give you a red t-shirt when you finish. finish five with your group, and then you put on a show. I have to be here in LA for 16 consecutive weeks to do that whole thing. It's probably worth it. Otherwise, it's just it's unemployment or that. Unemployment. That's <laughs> sweet, <else>. sweet unemployment. <laughs> uh, this is all about what I haven't done. You can IMDb the rest. <laughs> what was it, the thing I, I saw you did? Wild something? Wild and out. Wild and out. Or as my agent calls it, wet and wild. <laughs> all right. And why does your agent call it wet and wild? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if that's... I'm not familiar with the show, I have to admit. A so good agent move. I it's heard, I heard a, it was a big thing. It was a, yeah, it's like the urban whose line is it anyway. And so we got to do, you know, a lot of improv, a lot of sketch, a lot of, you know, camera improv. Wait a minute. The a lot urban, of pop culture. The urban whose line is it anyway? So did someone make like a McDonald's cast and... Oh, <laughs> is that what they're called? That's what, that's what I remember a being called. A cast of diverse well, ethnicities. Yeah, always see McDonald's was always on that, I think. It was like every commercial you see, there's like everyone, there's someone from every race somewhere in there. Uh, so I remember being called McDonald's. Well, cast. it was Nick Cannon, and you know, his thing was he always likes to give new people opportunities, he likes to foster talent, etc. So I think the show is in its eighth season now. I got to do one through five. And they're like, all right, that's that's enough opportunity for you. Enough opportunity for you. Go make a Vine video. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where they're now pulling their people from. A lot of young people, YouTubers and all. It's actually kind of funny because this is actually my attempt at, you know, basically not sitting somewhere just thinking and being being a, a, a curmudgeon. Uh, I think it's great, Miles. It is. I know the way you said that. It didn't. It sounded weird. Well, let me tell you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of my friends from Browntown in the front row who who do the Don't Come to L.A. podcast. Because anyone who's taken it upon themselves to do at least ten episodes already, you're way ahead of someone like me. I just have, you know, John Nash from A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. He just would have those crazy ramblings. Like I actually have those huge papers in my on my wall and like ideas summer from pot smoking sessions it's just like ideas after ideas which I'll never follow up on but I had one for the podcast and then I go back and look at it when I'm sober and it's like god that's a really good idea I should follow through then I have to smoke let me follow through today but there's all these ideas and it was about relationships but I kept thinking oh my relationship has to be really good for me to you know, be able to preach about relationships. And so every time we'd break up, I'd think, fuck, I can't do that podcast. And then when we'd get along really well, we're not <coughs> doing a podcast. We're getting along, having our life, you know? Right. So I never Because all relationships that are about getting along. That's, that's, that's all there is. Well, I don't know. Hey, just get along, man. He said lately, this is the guy, the guy said, I'm going to start periscoping our fights. 
That was. So maybe that's a good way to stay relevant. Did he manage to slide in a way of calling you fat at the same time? What a dumbass move. I'm going to bring out a couple of your fights. So I didn't. So I can show you where you're wrong. Exactly. I thought, no, we're not going to. It'll it'll tarnish whatever small image I have left. And but although it could leave the viewers hoping that we make up at the end and that that could be the thing that people tune in for and it wouldn't even be weekly it's just whenever we fight which was always you know so i, I don't know so there's content i didn't want to expose us that, that often but yeah that's it's oh still God. an idea don't take my idea no, no, well. you stay weekly <laughs> yeah, no for, for me it's interesting because just because i spent so much i was such a sort of an idiot in a way where i was initially i was just a, sort of a moron i'm a purist i don't I don't write things down basically because it's, it's, it's improv and it's, if, if I wrote anything down, I'd be betraying myself or something. Uh, and then, and then all of a sudden 20, 25 years pass and you're like, <laughs> I have nothing. I'm a really good improviser and I, I have nothing. Uh, and so now I'm actually, I'm doing the podcast, I'm doing the blog where I'm starting to write stuff down. Uh, and part of that is just because, you know what it is in part, I have kids and I'm just like, you know, should I not? be there at some point in their life when they want to know this stuff it's got to be down somewhere uh so that's that's part of the reason i'm doing it the other is just this filthy podcast money that just keeps rolling in. <laughs> i swear to god if, if you're out there and you want to do a podcast do it because the minute you do it a truck pulls up to your house full of cash and just dumps it on you uh how old are your kids now i have a daughter who's eight and a son who's four well, should you not be there, the daughter will take most of your wisdom and she'll, you know, she's already doing it probably. She is. She's a big sister. She's actually, she, she, she does. She, she's great. She, she'll say, and seen to me. When we're doing a bit or something and she's had enough of it, she's like, and seen. She's I'm, got a hold on you. I'm done, I'm done with she's this bit. She's speaking your language. Uh, all right, do we have any uh, any questions? I'd like to open it up to questions from the audience. We've got a nice little group of people here. Anything at all? Yeah. What was it like improvising on the show? Improvising on the show, I, I'd say it was kind of nerve-wracking, you know? Mm -hmm. I might be one of those people who you get your taste of TV and you see how much of it is a, you know, mental exercise to get up there and believe in yourself enough to produce and do what it's going to take to produce. Cause I don't know when it comes to stage, there's, there's a confidence there, but TV, I don't know. I don't know if that I, that I had it at the same level. So I would have to like mentally prep myself. Then I, you know, throw out my bits and it's really that kind of show where you're just trying out your stuff. But the more you try out your stuff, the more likely your stuff will get used and I had some really good shit that would end up on the cutting room floor. And that made me so bitter about television, you know, because I, I started to feel like I was that person. And then you could always play the race card, but the whole show was a race card. <laughs> the McDonald's show. But I, I have to say, when I, because it doesn't occur to you when you're doing it. I'll just speak for myself. But now looking back, it's like, holy shit. 
I did five seasons of a show. That is something to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Eight things. <laughs> did you hear that, Papa? It's <laughs> Let's all be proud. They're of, proud of me. Of, of little Rosica. <laughs> What was it? Uh, that was made me think of like when they say, when you go to an audition, they say improvising a must, strong improv skills a must. Uh, I'm never just like this. If I walk into a room and they say, all right, we want you to improvise. And I'm like, I think that means a different thing to you yeah. than it means to me. Because yeah. if you really want me to improvise, we're probably going to travel in time and people are going to die. <laughs> so I mean... So what what are you really asking me here? What do you what do they ask you to do in your commercial auditions? Like what's the improv that leads to your avails and well, it's, it's it's usually it's usually it's usually not the improv to me because what they think is improv is basically do the script pretty much hmm. maybe you change a couple words or here and there to make it feel I mean, it depends on who, who the hell you're, you're playing for. Yeah, because uh, in TV, the writers get pissed off when you change right. their words. <clears throat> but I've never, you know, just, I, I think it's more just like I'm, you know, I, I can play what, what I'm doing, and I'm, I do it, uh, but whenever I've been asked to improvise, I'm always just like, you don't really, I don't think you want that. I think, I mean, I think you want me to like come up with a couple lines for you, right? A, a, yeah. a couple funny things to say. But if you really cut me loose, this is not going to end well. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so that's, that's, that's probably something I still need to figure out. Although I wish they would come out with a definition for what exactly they're asking for when they say yeah. we want improvisers. Because I don't I think they even know what it means. Well, I, I did an AT&T thing and they brought me back like a couple of times. Because I was giving them all this gold after. Mm. Like, you know, you go a little wild as the camera's still running. And then they didn't book me. So you kind of feel like... They just took my shit. Those writers took my shit. I remember going and on... And I used to do that job. Copywriter. I remember Weird going Burnett. on some... You used to write for McDonald's. All right. All right. I'm, <laughs> I remember going on, 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 on one fucking audition in particular. It was literally... You had to sign like a bunch of stuff going into this audition. And they were keeping players in there for like half an hour. So there was a big backup in this thing. I was like, what the hell's going on here? And eventually I get there. I'm reading all this stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. They, they're going to make you improvise for like 30 minutes and, and they get to keep anything you do in the room, right? It's, but this, is, this, is a, this is just robbery. Uh, and I called my agent. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm out of This is bullshit. Uh, and I saw a bunch of people I knew there. I'm like, wow, they're, they're going to use all of you and take your shit. It really, it, I'd never seen, it couldn't have been more obvious. We don't have an idea. But between all of us here today, we will have an idea. <laughs> Do you think that attitude is keeping us smaller? The not sharing and the having to protect our ideas? Because my mom said the same thing. She's like, no, you keep everything under foils. Don't <laughs> let your ideas out. And yet, it's when we let those ideas out. I mean, that's when people start to see what we can do. I've always been worried about people stealing my shit. But I, I just feel like that's not the attitude that's going to lead to anything other it's than funny because there's like upset it, 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 like i don't have a bunch of stuff out there to be stolen really uh except you know like what, what i know about improv and that's all it's funny i've never thought of it as being stolen uh just because i thought well you just it's an art form so you're adding to it and you're furthering it and you're trying to figure it out uh but then all of a sudden <laughs> I, I read online about someone writing something and it's just like word for word something i said and i'm just like that's oh <laughs> oh you said that 
And I remember, by the way, I remember you being in my class, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, <clears throat> most people are good, I think, improvisationally about crediting where they learned something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, I, I, it's funny, I didn't think about it for the longest time. Cause I was just like, no, I was just, I just made something up so I could get to a next place yeah. uh, in m- my process. And it wasn't until years later, I'd, sometimes I'd look back and be, oh, I, get, I invented that. Uh, all right, anything else? Any other questions? Even about unemployment and filing. And <laughs> the specifics quarter, of how to file for unemployment. If you in uh, October, November, December, you're looking at the previous 18 months. Sure, go ahead. So how did you get through those mind games and build your confidence? Like, what did you do? Did you read books? Did you... Yeah, a lot. Um, there was a big gap between season four and season five. In that time, I had smoked a lot of pot. And I found that I wasn't as sharp in season five. (laughs) (laughs) Strange thing happened. Completely bizarre, unrelated thing happened. So, you know, that became the fear on that season is like, am I going to be funny without it? That was never a problem before. In other seasons, I, I did this in my one woman show. I talked about what the insecurities were. Just that in, in season one, it was, you know, why am I here? And season two, it was, you know, you start getting benched for a couple of episodes. It's like, what did I do wrong? How come I'm not in all the episodes? By season three, they were dressing us different. You know, they want to bring up their ratings. So the girls have to be in like pampy makeup and little skirts. And the humor we were doing, it was like about Chris Brown and Rihanna and controversial stuff but they wanted jokes about it so I would think I don't want to do this anymore that's where my fuck you came into play where I saw oh you know when you work in this industry there's things you're gonna have to do that might morally you know not sit right with you so that's when that part of Rasika started to emerge and then I think by season four there were fans that wanted to see more of me so that insecurity became about what if I let these people down? You know, I couldn't even just enjoy that. There's some people can just let all this stuff come to them. And I have yet to be that person. So I have really found that it's kind of like what we were saying out there. It might be one little thing you say to yourself, like, you know what I had to tell myself before this, I said, you just pretend that you're one of Miles's students. And this is the week he's interviewing you and playing with you. But he does this every week with all his students. That way, it becomes okay in my head. Otherwise, it's up here. And I'll never be good enough for something up there. But if I look at it like we're all in first grade and everyone gets their chance to be the star student, (laughs) like, you know, I have to make things really easy for myself or else some part of my brain is going to attack me and tell me that I can't do it or you're going to fuck it up or you're not good enough or, you know, come up with my little cheat sheet of topics before I go do this podcast so I don't (laughs) say anything bad about myself or, you know, oh, God, I'm going to say something bad about Grant. But the Periscope fighting, that was good. I think he'll like that. (laughs) Because that got a good laugh. So that's kind of, I would say from everything I've read, little voice mastery or watching Amy Jo Berman talk about being a casting director and why you're fucking yourself in your auditions. So many things on my bookshelf. Ram Dass, you know, like 
everything. The list could go on and on. But really, it's these little things that I have to tell myself that I find makes the biggest difference. You just have to talk to yourself. It's funny, I think, because this, this comes up. It's come up a lot, maybe almost every time. It's that the notion that we try and push here. And I think it's a, that original book. I think the way we teach it may be, but the discovery, and it's funny that it has to be that the discovery that you are enough, right? It's like because because to me we all are, but for some reason we have to go through this 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 journey to figure out that we're enough. Like I was saying to you about how I stopped thinking on stage finally. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? I don't have to. I'm enough. I don't have to worry. Uh, my perspective is just as valid as anyone else's. Uh, so, Unless they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, then it's more valid. <laughs> uh, no, but that, yeah, because we, we, there's no reason to... I was I get a kick out of... I, I never understand it because I, I also like I don't see... When I'm talking to you, I basically... Whoever I'm talking to, I basically think I'm their age. Right? Uh, it's, it's in my mind because I don't, I don't recognize it. Like from if I was here, I'd be thinking, "Who's the old guy talking to that girl?" Right? Uh, but since I'm here, I'm just like, "Hey, what's up? We're just we're just talking." Uh, and I always see people uh, as equals, right? Uh, I I might know some stuff that they haven't heard yet, but I'm just like, "Oh, you just haven't heard it yet. That's all." And now you've heard it, right? And now now you're informed. Now you you own it. Uh, so you're enough. You're enough, Rasika. Oh you are God. enough. Is that going to be what you end our podcast on? That's so awesome. Where was that, fourteen? <laughs> By the way, you don't you don't own you are enough, right? Like it's okay if people quote not you. On I don't. I, I think every fucking self help <laughs> guru in the world probably says that. you are enough at some point. It hasn't stuck though. Well, I I, I think it's, 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 it's I think the thing. In improv, you realize is that the, the the way you figure it out is by trying not to be you, right? You try yeah. to be someone else. You try and be faster than you are, right? You try and think as fast as you can to get ahead of the scene or something. Uh, and then eventually you just realize, oh, the best moves I've ever made in my life, I didn't think about them. I just made them, right? They were, they were mine. Uh, it's funny how stupid our brains can be. Because I remember when I was starting... And still really struggling with, you know, because I was bad then, too. I remember having a dream. Uh, I was doing a herald on my parents' porch. Uh, and Noah Gregoropoulos was in the dream making all these great moves in the fucking herald, right? He was just killing in this herald on my parents' porch. Uh, and I remember waking up thinking, God, I wish I could come up with ideas like that in my dream. Right? So there was... It was it was me, right? It was just me stopping me from do, from doing that when I was conscious. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's it's weird how it takes a lot of just just, and it really comes back to something I think you'll like because you like saying it a lot, which is "fuck it," right? That's Mick Napier's thing. But uh, to me, it, it it kept occurring to me at different points. Like the, whenever I got better was right after a time when I said "fuck it." Right, because basically I'd, I'd stop thinking and just play with abandon because I'd given up, and then that's when I realized, oh, I did learn all those things. So fuck it. So let's fuck it and do a set. McNapier. <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna be the teacher for Second City. That I- <laughs> oh, oh. 
Oh, he's he's one of like he missed eight weeks of his wisdom. When I talk about my teachers, I mainly I talk about like Dell and Mac. Like that's yeah, you 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 blew it. <laughs> you, you you blew it huge. And on that note. <laughs> and on that note. On that note, which isn't so nice. Uh, I need to. How do I turn this off? <laughs>